welcome back to another episode of Are You From That Show? Brought to you by Hattie and Jordan. We're incredibly lucky to be recording a series of interviews during this lockdown period where we're chatting to our guests over Skype from the safety of their own homes. So please do bear with us if we have any technical or sound glitches along the way. Thank you. This week's guest is the wonderful Rachel Herdwood, who began her career as an actress playing Wendy in the 2003 film version of Peter Pan. Rachel has an extensive list of credits to her name, including the BBC's Clique, Beautiful Devils and Home Fires. She now balances acting alongside motherhood, writing and teaching Pilates. Welcome, Rachel. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> very much what a lovely introduction thank you so much for coming on the podcast my pleasure um how was it to hear your your intro do you often have your intro read back at you oh daily (laughs) (laughs) no uh definitely not I think um it's nice for a moment to feel like a professional person uh I feel like a professional person teaching Pilates which is the main thing that I interact with people about at this point in time um but for the most part, I'm a mother to a two-year-old, and so that's um, really not sort of any any bells or whistles. And so it's quite nice to feel to remember that I've done something other than just change nappies for the last twenty-nine years of my life. <laughs> so I guess the, the the first question we want to ask you, Rachel, really is, um, what's the job that people know you most from? What comes up the most now? Probably Peter Pan would be the the big one, which is funny to be mostly known for something that you did when you were 12 and you're nearly 30. <laughs> I, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I get clique. Sometimes people ask if I was clique. And also I've got Helen Flanagan, which is a big compliment as well. Um, yeah. For a while, yeah. asked in Starbucks, they said, oh, it's Helen, isn't it? And I was like, it's not, but, you know, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so do people kind of Instagram you about Peter Pan? Yes. I do seem to get a lot of comments that tend to revolve around that film it, what kind of things do people say i'm quite um, mainly do you still talk to jeremy there's there's still and i find this really um astounding in a way that there's still a sort of fascination over whether or not i had a romantic involvement with uh my co-star when i was tw- 11 12 years old yeah uh, and uh, i don't really have any contact with him like i think we follow each other on instagram and i follow his sisters on instagram and i saw him a while ago but we're not really in each other's lives and so there's not really a lot to say and I, I mean I think this is probably only a handful of people but they tend to be more vocal about it um which is nice that you know if, if anything was sort of meaningful to them in their childhood then that's that's great it's just I think you know these things they, I can understand why they're fascinating kind of at the time but I, I find it still a bit strange that I don't know I, I can't really understand you know I'm a married woman like if I was to follow somebody on social media, I probably, I don't know, but it's very different when you're a kid, teenager, than when you're an adult, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you find, I mean, like, this is probably, like the, a lot of people that are quite vocal about it, do you find that people that would have been, would have watched the film when they were younger? Or do you think it's people who were like watching it as adults watching the, that film like? I really hope it's the former. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
but I can't say for certain. Yeah. Um, so for, for you, obviously, you um, how was that? Your that was your very first acting job, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Parents saw an advert. My grandparents saw an advert that they were casting for this film. I'd never done anything like that. I'd gone to drama, a Sunday school, not Sunday school, drama thing once when I was about eight, and we all had to sing around, sing and. I hated it with a passion. So acting was really not something that was ever really my thing. And I was really shy as a kid. Um, But then my mum said initially it was, um, would you like to go to the Cadbury's factory in Birmingham and do an audition for a film? And I was like, okay, you have me at Cadbury's 100%. Um, And then (laughs) turned out they were doing auditions in London as well. We didn't live too far from London. My parents live in Surrey and um, in Guildford. And um, so it was a day trip to London and I was the right age and the right height. And my mum kind of pitched it as, because, you know, it was when X Factor, the first, was it X Factor? No, Pop Idol. It's the first thing was around at that time. We'd watched that. We watched the whole queuing and the excitement of it all. And my mum was like, you know, you could could go and do that queue around the block. And then when the film comes out, you could tell your friends you auditioned for it. So, yeah. we went along and I think I was, we were so keen. My mum was so keen to get it all right. We were there like, we were like, okay, we've seen what happens on the telly. We're going to get there three hours early. We were like the first people there for a long time. Um, and then the queue did get quite long. And then um, and that was that. And then just went through the whole casting process and then ended up getting a job. But it wasn't something that I, and every step of the way, my parents were like absolutely managing my expectations. I didn't even have expectations. So it wasn't like a kind of, I didn't even really, feel that invested one way or the other it was just you know when you're that age things just happen and you just kind of accept I don't know some kids are very ambitious and I've seen that in in really young children um but I wasn't that kid at all that's probably one of the reasons they liked you actually I imagine or maybe they I mean I think for that particular role they weren't looking for too much uh, of a precocious individual I mean I probably was a bit to an extent but not I wasn't the kind of um the drama school kid that possibly wasn't quite the right fit for that particular role so then you went out to Australia to film. So was that that must have been a huge chunk of time. It was nine months. It's a long time. It was meant to be six, and then it was nine. So I missed all of year eight. Came back <laughs> like a foot taller. People getting off with each other. I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Well, <laughs> did your family come with you? Yes. Yeah. My mum and my brother came out. I've got a younger brother, and then um, my dad was flying back and forth because he was still working. So he would come out and visit and. Um, so we just kind of relocated, which is huge. If you, I think now, like, you know, obviously can't imagine because my child is two years old, but, you know, to think about uprooting your whole life for your child is actually quite a big thing. And you think at the time, well, yeah, of course they would because it's this thing, but it's not like necessarily benefiting everybody. If anything, it could be seen as a detriment to their life. So it's it's really cool that they were willing to do that. Yeah, the sacrifices that parents make for these jobs, that actually, when I was younger, I don't think I really considered that properly. Yeah, but you wouldn't because it's sort of not your job to, I guess, as a kid, you know. Yeah. But it's it, looking in, in hindsight, you can definitely see that it's, it's a big thing. And so was it fun? Yeah, I remember wow. mixed feelings about it all. I think it was... Yeah, not to get all like moody and dark about it because it was great. I mean, it was it was amazing and it was, you know, loads of kids and all that stuff. But it, it was sort of it's just very weird and um, disassociative. And I guess at that age, you don't it's 12, 11, 12 is hard, isn't it? Because you don't really talk and you can't really kind of relate too much. 
I couldn't really relate. My friends back home couldn't sort of support too much. Not that I really knew how to vocalise, oh, do you know, this is all a bit weird. And it felt like when I got back and even talking to friends when I was out there, it was like this sort of dirty secret almost, like, oh, we can't really talk about this thing because it's a bit, you know, it's a bit embarrassing almost. Um, and it was It's just so a- strange that you, um, you, you call it a dirty secret because we've had, in some of the other people we've, we've been speaking to, that has come up before as well, that people have called it a dirty secret almost. Mm-hmm. That oh, that's you- interesting that everyone knows about but you just like it's just kept hushed and quiet and we were like yes. it's a really strange thing that i think you could only maybe be your, the age you are now and look back on that yes. and go, that's the way it felt yes even though you couldn't probably maybe intellectualize that at the time yeah definitely it wasn't the case that i mean i think some people have spoken to have kind of said asked me oh was it this you know really amazing thing where people wanted to be your friend or whatever and it was absolutely not the case like i was ridiculed mercilessly and i'm not going to claim some like victim bullying story because it really wasn't like that but it was just i had the piss taken out of me every single day for months because like being wendy it was just like such an easy kind of an easy dig and it was actually more the boys than the girls like the girls at my school were really cool about it but the boys were just really unpleasant and just like would make constant innuendos about it I mean not even innuendos they were just I'm not gonna go into it but you can imagine just like constantly firing these questions at me and I was such an awkward like my ears stuck out so much I had to have my ears glued back in the film because my ears used to stick out so much and I was such a kind of awkward small person that I just I just didn't know how to deal with any of it it was just like when I got back to school I just wanted to go back to yeah. not notice getting you know just kind of have my friends get on with it and to have this kind of almost scarlet letter of something it's, it was just such a weird thing and like I say you couldn't really relate to anyone about it and I didn't have any friends who were kid actors so it was just like it's a weird it's a weird thing Oh yeah, Rachel, that's so intense. So, what about your your actual friends at maybe the girls? Did they kind of just accept you, and you managed to slot back into your friendships with for the them? Most part, for the most part, there was the kind of the group of girls that I was friends with um, that were a bit funny about it. So, a couple of them were a bit funny about it, and there was one incident that was so bizarre but where we lived Guildford was the nearest big town and there was a shopping trip planned and you know when you're 13 it's like a shopping trip big big thing I was really excited about it and then I got a call like the day before saying I'm really sorry Rachel but we don't we don't want you to come on the shopping trip and I was like oh why and they said oh because you know you're going to want to go to Chanel and all these places and we're not going to want to go to all that and I was like what the hell are you talking about no what was the one there was all these you know I was I'm thinking Primark and I'm thinking whatever else you know 12 year old 13 year old girls yeah. go forget the name of there was one place in particular that we saw these um Claire's accessories yeah Claire's accessories for god's Claire's sake not Chanel I don't think there was a Chanel in Guildford so yeah that was sort of slightly weird but that for the most part again it was the dirty secret thing it was that it wasn't um something to really glorify it was just like it was a thing I got teased for so it wasn't really something that they'd did that did that make you want to because we probably all had slightly different experience i think but perhaps that you two hattie and rachel you probably had a similar experience in that you were in like a really huge film of which mm. you were very recognizable from and then it, obviously you were filming for nine months or had to film for six weeks three, three months no yeah sort of three to four months much shorter yeah 
and then you were then back in the school why did you continue wanting to act after that like going back to school and having all these people sort of like being really off with you and being really, being really weird with you should that make you want to go right that's never happening again I don't want to ever act <laughs> well honestly um, again I was like wary of getting too uh, psychological about it all but I, I didn't really feel like I had a choice and it wasn't due to pushy parents my parents were absolutely not pushy my mum if anything was pushy for me not to do it and she was really keen that I finished I went to you know continue going to school and went and did all that stuff I think had I been really passionate about it it would have been a different story but because I was a bit of a nerd anyway so I think she just wanted to encourage me to you know she's like just get your GCSEs and then at least you'll be okay if you know this whole thing doesn't work out um, which I'm really grateful for by this point I had an agent and again I didn't really feel like I had a hell of a lot of autonomy in the whole thing which again is reasonable when you're 12 13 14 you, you, yeah. you don't have a lot of autonomy in in what you do aside from maybe what stuff you have in your bedroom so yeah. it kind of felt like an extension of that where I just had uh, this this adult now in my life who was my agent who would call my parents discuss auditions and then that would be it I'd be on a train to London going to the auditions yeah. it wasn't really something I had a lot I, I guess if I'd been like I absolutely never want to do this again obviously they would have said that but I, I just kind of accepted it okay this is what's happening now and yeah once every week or two weeks I go to London and do an audition and then usually don't get the job <laughs> but <laughs> it's strange was... actually say that because I, I thinking back to it now thinking about being an adult actor an audition comes up and you you can decide not to go for an audition you can the roles will come up and go actually I don't want to do that or actually I, I don't want to do uh, theatre again or whatever but you're right I never thought about it but as a child you never thought about saying no mm. it was just like okay cool audition off we go and you got it or you didn't get it and then that was kind of that's just the way that life went on which is why sometimes when we've asked people when did you decide that you wanted to be an actor they often actually sort of go I never kind of did decide it kind of just was something that was just we were just doing for so long that's right that you yeah. kind of just fell into it and you realized you were like sort of like I don't know however old for me I was sort of like maybe like 19 where I was like actually yes I guess let's now decide to be an actor and go to drama. Yeah, yeah I think my experience is very similar really to what you just described in terms of I never really did make that decision I loved acting as a child absolutely loved it and was so happy that I got to do it and then just carried on I never really ever remember having a conversation with my parents about it that I wanted to do it or anyone actually did you go to drama clubs and stuff prior to yeah I'd gone to a sort of just an after school club on a Friday mm -hmm. um, that had a an agency attached to it mm -hmm. and so although I actually wasn't on the agency officially my drama teacher sort of put me up for the audition for Madeline because yeah. they had heard about it so that's how I got into it kind of f fell into it really I mean I, lo I did love drama um, and I loved my drama class but the idea of getting professional work I definitely fell into that so after can I I want to talk about the press stuff with because piece of pan because when I had a little look on YouTube to see if I could find any interviews and there's quite a few interviews with you that you did yeah but what was that part of the whole experience like because that's not even the acting bit Oh, so weird. So weird. Again, just part of what you're told, this is what's happening now. So you just do your best to, you know, be polite and, and, and get on with it. But I mean, it's sort of an almighty come down when your initial experience of the industry is it also it was at a time where there was a lot more money in the acting industry as a whole. But it was like this huge press tour, you know, a few months after, or maybe I can't remember exactly the, the time gap, but I think we finished filming in 
I know I went back for the summer term, like a month or so of summer term of year eight, so around August. And then I can't remember when the whole press thing happened, maybe like a year later or something. Wow. Uh, and then we were flown all around. My family and I were flown all over the place to L.A., to Tokyo, to New York to do all this um, press stuff. And again, you just you just get on with it. And it's like, you know, I was a well brought up young person. So I, I just was polite and did kind of what I was told you know but yeah it's definitely bizarre but again like as you can you know you guys can relate it's just kind of what you you're told to do so you just do it yeah I remember I was a bit younger than you but I just remember um I'd never been to America before um and then I got sent yeah I had to go to LA and New York and I just remember it being so glamorous just so lucky to be doing this despite it being really hard work but I wonder whether I felt I was a bit younger than you so I, I wonder whether that also I didn't have other feelings about, I don't know, slightly more complex feelings about it. Yeah, honestly, I can't really remember how I felt about all that stuff. It was it was just, I think, I just kind of took it in my stride a bit. Not that I was blasé about it, but just that it was kind of, oh, this is happening now. And I think it's different. If you strive for something and then you achieve something like that, it tastes a lot sweeter. Whereas if you're just presented it and it's kind of like, oh, right, this is this is my this is my day-to-day right now and then but then you know then I went back to school so it wasn't like I kind of had a Hollywood childhood it was just this very surreal like I say dirty secret you know you go off and do this weird stuff and people are all treating you really nicely and you're being given stuff and being told oh look his you know I remember getting um billabong was my like go-to yeah. kind of fashion house yeah. and i remember someone at the agency of my agency managed to get me some like roxy and billabong clothes and i was like that was um, that was it i mean 13 years old and i got sent this box of billabong clothes to wear on the press tour i couldn't believe it so that was actually huge i used to get gap so i used to get gap stuff and anywhere i went i would just turn up in the hotel room and there would just be bags of stuff Oh, my God. That's so cool. Hat, sunglasses, things you wouldn't even wear on a TV show. <laughs> Be cool if you did, like a kind of ski ski hat and a pair of shades. That's crazy. I can't believe you guys got free clothes. Like, yeah. I once got bought an Arsenal T-shirt from a director, but that was about it. <laughs> I loved it. I was very happy, but still. Are you an Arsenal fan? Uh, absolutely. That's why I bought it for me, to be fair. Oh. <laughs> Actually, I hate football. Uh, no, that is, that, but it's it's one of those things, though, where um, when people ask you, what was it like growing up and being an actor? You sort of just go, well, it was just life. That's what it was. But for yeah. someone, like, even me on the outside, hearing that you guys got free Gap and Billabong clothes, that is amazing. We don't always look back at it and go, oh, that was incredible. Yeah. You know, you sort of, you look back at it and it's weird how perhaps things like that kind of affect you as you're growing up. Because we were talking before about marketing. Yeah. And, and having to market yourself, in particular for you guys, because you grew up being like, you almost had things handed to you. You had free clothes handed to you. You had opportunities handed to you. Yeah. Then having to switch your mindset of being like, okay, well, now I have to sometimes ask for things must be really hard to do, like as an adult. Definitely. It's really cringe. And it's really cringe to kind of recognize that, oh man, I've actually had it really easy or I had it really easy for a long time. And then I think that classic thing that happens to so many child actors where I hit around 18, 19 and it just wasn't clicking the way it was had clicked before. I think up to a point I'd been, you know, this big platform to kind of kick everything off and then that just kind of um, snowballed it. It had its own momentum for a while. And then suddenly you've got all these kind of pristine um, teenagers who are either you know, drama school um, people or 
they've been it's been their dream for as long as they can remember and suddenly they're all um popping out of the old ground like beautiful mm. flowers and you're kind of going well hang on I'm I, I was a bit entitled if I'm honest I was I was yeah. entitled because that had just been my experience so it wasn't like um so yeah and it's, it's actually kind of gross to think back on that and think god I really I just assumed that it would always be like that and then when it wasn't it was a bitter pill to swallow even though it wasn't yeah. necessarily like what I had all the passion to do it was still like hey I'm getting rejected from everything now like yeah. this is yeah. hard you know yeah it's, uh, um it's quite funny it's it's really strange, isn't it? When you when you again, because I, th- I think again, it was it was for me around the eighteen nineteen mark, because I just finished my parents' Aurelians and I was like, um, which by the way I was a huge fan of. Should just point that out. Like me and my brother uh, would watch that every day after coming home from school. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but it was it was weird because I think exactly like you were saying is that, and I don't think there's any shame in saying it because you would have spent you know seven eight years of your life where everything you pretty much want is given to you yeah so when suddenly that changes and it, it's a very instant change i remember it being i got to the age of sort of 17 and pretty much any role that i went for i would tend to get i mean there was obviously ones that i wouldn't get yeah but then being 18 19 you realize you haven't got that same hunger as those who haven't done any jobs before yes exactly And they're really desperate to get that first job and that first role that first credit and to be on a tv set or to do a film which for you, you take for granted because you've done it for 10 years. Yeah. And you don't have that same level of drive. Like, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, I remember there were constant, there were constant, there were, there were frequent occasions where I would be hungover and be like, I don't understand why I'm being expected to go to an audition. I'm 19 years old. Of course, I've got a hangover. Why on earth would you expect I'm going to be turning up to something? Or like, and again, not in a kind of, that sounds really like bratty stuff. It wasn't that. It was more just that, because it had always been easy or, or even things like brushing my hair. Like I went through a long period of not brushing my hair because I just didn't want to. And I was, that was, mm. that was, you know, that was what I was going through. And, um, you know, just, like, I remember the, the agents just like very tentatively trying to kind of, you know, you, you really need to, and they'd send me photos of like girls at premieres with all oh the full God. hair. Like, you know, you need to just look at this, like go away and have a look at this and think about this. And this is kind of how you should be presenting yourself. And I was like, not what the hell are you talking about like why on earth would I go to all that effort when it it should just come but it didn't just and it was going to the people the girls who did you know they if it was a period job they'd dress up in clothes of the time and they'd they'd go all out and they'd hire an accent coach and they'd do whatever it took and I was like no it's like they get it they get me or they don't get me and that's very arrogant but you don't I guess it was because it had always been that way that you just expect that it would continue to be that way and it is a it's a slap in the face when you realize oh I'm not very good like I need to really kind of think a bit more about (laughs) these things you know funny you just said that because I think now if I think now back to acting between the ages of eight and 17 18 even even up to drama school acting was for me me saying lines it wasn't me going okay what kind of character am I or whatever but like it was okay cool I'm I'm Jordan I'm playing this character called Frankie. I'm in this situation. I'm just, I'm just saying lines though. I'm not necessarily doing much to, there's not much thought behind it. I'm just saying lines. Yeah. Um, which is funny when you say that, you know, they have a get me or they don't get me. Mm. It was that mentality. It wasn't a case of, okay, cool for this audition. I'm going to be, you know, from London or I'm going to be like more energetic. It just was, no, I'm going to say the lines. Yeah, exactly. And they ever want that, what I'm doing, me, or they don't. Whereas now yeah, it's very different. Totally. Yeah, totally. I went to, I had a bit of a point when I was around 20 where I thought, 
oh, this is not working. This isn't, this isn't what I want to do anyway. And I just kind of sacked it off for a year or so. I went and worked in a cafe and just got, I don't know, decided to try and sort my life out. And um, one of the sort of facets of that was uh, going to see an acting coach who'd been recommended. And um, it was it was quite, uh, again, like she didn't pull any punches and she would just be very explicit when she felt what I was doing wasn't good is a nice way to put it. Um the phrase shitbox was used frequently throughout our sessions. I was what like, is a shitbox? She was like, nope, shitbox, do it again. Nope, shitbox. Nope, didn't believe it. Nope, do it again. Um, but it was quite good to have that and to learn a bit about uh, the, the craft of acting because that was something that I had no concept of and I actually felt was like whenever I'd heard people talk about it, I was like, so pretentious, like get over yourself, just mm. say the lines, you know. But then, as you say, that's exactly right. They're just saying the lines may work when you're 12 and, yeah. you know, fresh face, but when you're... 25 is it's not cute <laughs> I, I have a question for you both actually in when you were doing when you were acting when you were younger especially in obviously such two such big films did you ever feel like you'd ever been directed when you were in those films i i definitely was directed yeah i we had a great um director on madeline um daisy we used to have a code word which was radish hmm and whenever I needed to do more, she used to say radish to me. And I, I remember just feeling like we had this secret little language. So mm. she could say it, obviously, around anyone during, like, between takes. I don't think I had such a personal touch of an experience, but a direction. I think we were just really clearly instructed on what to do. We had an amazing acting coach on, on Peter Pan's guy called John Kirby's American guy, who was really, really sweet, like one of the nicest people in the whole world. And... um he really helped for me to understand, you know, he'd talk about like personalization. I remember finding it all a bit humor, like even at a young age, I was a bit of a cynical old boot. And like, because <laughs> you know, he was sort of asked me things like, okay, let's, let's try and find things that you can relate to your own life. And he, do you have any pets? I had two gerbils. He's like, okay, and how would you feel if one of your gerbils died? And I was like, oh, come on, like, I know I'm 12, <laughs> like, but, you know, just still having an understanding of tapping into things to try and um, to make things believable i guess to have some kind of connection to to the situation so in terms of direction yeah i can't really remember any specifics but i think we were just really told like okay just do it like this so you just do it like that and i thought that was what directing was so i always had this understanding that acting was like essentially just being a puppet because you just turn up and you're yeah yeah well i don't need to explain the metaphor so you can understand so i think to um find out later that oh no actually you do have to when people talk about the skill and the craft again like i always thought oh puke come on like what are you talking about yeah. you, don't, you don't need any and then the cold hard fact of oh no you actually do and there's a lot of work that can be put into things and um that then you know the auditioning process is actually a lot more time consuming than just kind of memorizing lines like a parrot i remember one of the, i remember actually in uh philip weaver hattie who was our one of our drama school um tutors mm. he once said to me that you have spent years acting with a box of tricks, which basically meaning that yes, I wouldn't actually really act. I would just have things that I knew would work in a certain situation or in a certain scene mm. that would be acceptable. Because obviously when we film our parents' radios, we'd film an episode a week. So you didn't have much time in between scenes for much direction. Yeah. So it was almost learning like little things that you knew would work, like a look or a, a smile or whatever. And yeah. you knew that would almost be good enough for that scene to be acceptable. Yeah. Um, so it was hard to break out of that mindset of, I know if I, you know, start with a laugh or I end with a smile, that'll be fine. Wait, Rachel, what happened after you'd worked in a cafe for a year? Did you just decide that you wanted to actively get back into acting? 
think I just had a period of saying, I just said to, after a few kind of just ropey auditions and me just really dragging my heels about it, the the agent I had at the time was like, look, do you want to just take some time to kind of not do this? Because you, you, you're just giving off all the signs that you don't want to do it. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't know that was even allowed. You know, I was like being a bit of a brat. I was being a brat. You know, I didn't realize I was being a brat, but it was because it was, I really didn't want to do it, but I didn't have the kind of un- awareness to go, do you know what? I don't want to do this. So stop sending me up for things. Um, so I took a bit of time and then I think, they they kind of called and were like, look, you know, if you want us to keep representing you, do you want to go out for stuff? Because they got they got bills to pay, you know. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, oh yeah, sure, okay, whatever. So started doing it again, and um, then just did bits and bobs. I did went off and did a film in Nepal for a few weeks. It was really cool. Yeah. It was a little indie thing, and that was and that kind of restoked the fire a bit. And then then it was again that like you've discuss like it was more of a conscious choice of okay I know what I'm getting myself into now and I know what it requires I have more understanding over the whole thing yeah. so it felt like a, a more healthy decision <laughs> rather than just kind of being caught in the undertow of some bizarre twist of fate that happens when you're a child mm. oh god you did because you were absolutely wonderful in clique oh that's really nice Thanks. yeah I loved clique did you? Oh, cool. <laughs> brilliant um and looking back auditions that we probably weren't ready for they would look back now and go if i was better prepared for that audition it would have been like fantastic and it would have been life-changing there, there was certainly i remember there was one i maybe shouldn't be saying this but whatever there was a, an audition i went for when i went to university um i went to ucl for a year when i was 18 and um it was it was quite stressful because again like i just didn't have the kind of awareness to say do you know what it's too much to try and put an acting career on top of a full-time student schedule mm. and try and have a social life and try and do you know all of the all of the normal things and so i remember going for this audition um when I had not slept, I'd done an all-nighter to get an essay done, and I had an exam that afternoon, and I slept all the way to White City to go and do an audition for the BBC, barely looked at the lines on the tube on the way there, did a horrendous job, and then they, my agent got the phone call to say we wouldn't bring her in again for anything, because um, it was that bad, and I was like, well, what do you expect? I had a bloody logic exam that afternoon, and I hadn't slept because I'd been doing an essay on phonetics, so, like, cut me some slack, you know, <laughs> You know, I did the best I could. And I, did, I felt kind of hard done by that nobody could appreciate that I was doing the best I could. But actually, it was just, it was too much. And I, but I just didn't realise at the time that it was. Um, I didn't know what the job was for. But anyway, I worked for the BBC after that, so whatever. Yeah, they took it back. <laughs> did Did you talk to anyone when you were around, like sort of like eighteen, nineteen, twenty? Therapy, definitely. <laughs> did, you, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Did, I'm saying that like almost jokingly, but not. No, I, I think it just not necessarily just about acting stuff, but I think it was just a, a combination of things. And I think having that, um, like I said, that sort of dirty secret feeling about things, then translated into generally just not really talking about stuff. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I say it in a sort of light-hearted way, but actually it was and one of the best things I've ever done, and I'm really lucky and really lucky that I sort of that having had an acting career meant that I had the the resources to be able to put myself through uh, going to speak to somebody because it was just it was incredible and it really it reframed a lot of things for me and helped me really kind of get my head straight. Yeah, um, yeah. I had this three pronged approach. I kind of briefly mentioned like working in a cafe. I got a personal trainer, a therapist, and an acting coach. And I was like, right, I'm going to hit this thing from all angles. <laughs> I'm going to get through this. Like, yeah. I don't know what's going on, but these people are going to come in and and sort me out and um and you know leave my bank account dry, which they did. Yeah. You know, <laughs> better as a result. <laughs> Great tips. No, I think I think it is though because I think that I think at that age again when you've spent so long with people expecting you to be successful 
to admit that you're not feeling successful, you're not, do- you're not doing very well, yeah. would be a very hard thing to do at 18 or 19 years old. Yeah. Because you've almost got like a bit of a bravado, I guess maybe I did, mm. where to admit that you weren't doing very well or to admit that, you know, things weren't going how you planned. Like I planned to be, ma- Here's what, here was my wedding plan when <laughs> I was younger. So my first wife would die when we were 21. <laughs> And she would love my life. So she would die at 21. This is when we were obviously both big LA Hollywood actors. Right. Uh, then my second wife, I'd marry around 29. And we'd be together for like 30 years. How did she die the first one? Just briefly. Car crash. Okay. Tragic. <laughs> Hollywood Hills. Um, my second wife was more of a career marriage where we were both, you know, successful. We needed like a, a marriage to kind of like get by in life. So we did that. And then she would divorce me. And then my third wife was a gold digger when I was like sort of in my seventies. But that was, that was my, that's how I saw life when I was sort of 14, 15 years old. And I always thought that's what would happen. Has it? It, No, no, no. (laughs) No, Unmarried, (laughs) unmarried. But what I mean is that you see a way that you're, you think your life will pan out. Yeah. And you're 18 years old and it's not doing that. Yes. And I think it's great that you went to go and see and speak to someone about it, because I think that it's, it's, yeah, it's a really, really good, really, really good move. We're kind of moving towards a bit more of that in general now, not just with with acting, but people kind of being a bit more open about um, being able to say, oh, yeah, I've gone to see a therapist and it's like, it's cool. It's not like a, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It's not like, oh, God, you know, do I treat this person differently as a result? I think generally, again, not trying to like um, jump on this bandwagon for a second, but like the whole mental illness thing being destigmatized, not thing, you know what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to try yeah, yeah. like everything being destigmatized is just such a phenomenal thing that we're moving towards that in general. So I think um, I'm really lucky to have been born into a, a time where that was okay. And to, like I say, to be able to have afforded to do that, because I appreciate that's not always the case for people and people might think, oh, you know, that's something I'd like to do, but I can't afford it. And there, there typically are ways around it. So um yeah, I sound like I'm trying to sell something. I'm not, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, I think it. Yeah, I think it's a great thing to do if you can. Oh, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to us today. No problem. Flown by. It's flown by. It is. I, I literally don't want it to end because there's so much more questions I want to ask you. But um, <laughs> it's fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on and, and speaking with us. Thank you so much to Rachel for coming on the podcast, and thank you so much for listening to the Are You From That Show podcast. A huge thank you to George for providing the music. You can find him at soundcloud.com forward slash George. That's J-A-U-G-E. Tune in next time. Thanks, guys.